Well, folks, welcome to one more edition of Politics and Rod. I'm Egberto Willis, your host. Thank you so kindly for being a part of the show. We are going to have a what again? A great show for you today. And you know what? I'm I'm sort of, well, you know, I always want to bring some of the new information and all of that, some of bit behind. We have a great interview with the one and only Yvette Avery Herod, our resident union activist, union specialist, union, you know what, everything that's in there. She's going to have a whole lot to talk to us about. We're also going to talk about, uh, you know, there is this uh, thing with Russian bonds, right? Russian bonds, how they finance the war, how they finance themselves. We're going to get into some of that, you know. Uh, Stephanie Rule had some interesting things to say about that. We want to talk about that. But all together, folks, we are going to have... A great show for you today. Let me queue up a couple of other things here. You know, I got to get all these networks going. You know, I was told, I was told, you know what I was told? At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible because we're already doing it all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Today, guys, I was told, why do you run that damn thing so long? You know, in the beginning, I'm like, I'm trying to get the networks up. It's only me. It's me, yourself and I, or me, myself and I, to get all of this going. So that is what we had to get Done. So let's see now. Let's see. I've got to go ahead and queue a few more things up and then we'll be ready to fly. Where are all my where are all my stories? Where are all my stories? Anyway, let's get busy. Who's here so far? Paul Fleming checking in from ATL. Checking in from ATL. ABQ says audio video is good and on sync. Let's keep it that way. Tom C says happy PL Day. US should require Tucker. What is it? Oh, Pi Day, 3.14. U.S. should require Tucker Carlson to register as a Russian foreign agent and make Fox News pay him in rubles. <laughs> I like that one, Tom. I like that one. Who else is here with us? Maywood says, hello, all. Uh, who else is with us? Who else? Yvette Avery. Yvette, you are the star of our show today. Later on, when we get through all these machinations, we're going to talk about what we spoke about earlier or end of last week which is very important so folks you know what let's get busy Rudnan what you trying to do you trying to kill me buddy Monday you know how it goes time to go away over again you're over you're over but I love you man we're gonna get it done let's go real fast even though a majority of Americans initially said they would back a no-fly zone the majority vanishes once they consider that it could lead us into a US Russia conflict of course Support for a no-fly zone starts off lower than the sanctions to begin with, then drops off considerably when people are asked if, if it's meant U.S. forces might have to engage Russian aircraft and be considered an act of war by Russia. You know, it's funny. People are saying, oh, have a no-fly zone, not realizing to hold the no-fly zone means shooting down other stuff. Egberto, mind putting this graphics up? Not right now, but we'll look at it later. U.S. filmmaker Brent Renaud reportedly killed by Russian forces in Ukraine award-winning journalist and a colleague who survived were fired on near checkpoint in Irpin, a flashpoint town outside of Kiev. 
Uh, Jane Ferguson, a reporter of PBS NewsR, who was nearly uh, nearby when Renard was killed, tweeted, "Just left roadside spot near Irpin, where body of American journalist Brent Renard lay under a blanket. Ukrainian medics could could do nothing to help him by that stage." Outraged Ukrainian police officer, tell America, tell the world what they did to a journalist. The Kiev region police chief Andrev Nepotov said and in a statement, the occupiers are cynically killing even journalists of international media who are trying to show the truth about the atrocities of Russian troops in Ukraine. Jake Sullivan, U.S. National Security Advisor, said if in fact an American journalist was killed, which he was, it is a shocking and horrifying event. It is one more example of the brutality of Vladimir Putin and his forces as they've targeted schools, mosques, hospitals, and journalists. It is why we are working so hard to impose severe sanctions and, no, and, and to try to help the Ukrainians with every form of military assistance we can muster to be able to push back against the onslaught. Judge issues temporary injunction bar in Texas. This is from Michael Rodden as well. Judge issues temporary injunction bar in Texas from investigating pediatric gender affirming cure as abuse but of course they're going to take it to that circuit court in new orleans and they're going to override it but anyhow republicans culture war is enabling assholes to be their worst selves while using it as a distraction from major economic and environmental issues that allow corporations and the wealthy to continue going to the bank while the bottom 60 percent struggle to survive in a worsening world and this what keeps republican in power Bo of the fifth column talks about Governor Abbott Edict saying, 219, the only, at, at, at two nine, the 219 mark, the only two policies that Republicans had that were gaining any tractions that are resonating with voters was the idea of medical freedom, which basically meant they didn't want to wear a mask during an airborne pandemic, and the idea of parental rights, which meant they didn't want to read and didn't want their kids to read, and specifically about, you know what, um, CRT. Okay, very sobering. Global debts from COVID may be more than three times higher than official toll. Studies say excess debts is the difference between the number of recorded debts from all causes and the number of expected debts based on past trends. Researchers at the University of Washington Institute of Health Metrics and Evaluation found an estimated 18.2 million people may have died by the end of 2021 due to COVID-19 pandemic more than three times the official toll of 5.9, according to the study published Thursday in The Lancet. I've never seen an analysis of this scale before on excess mortality, said Dr. Stephen Wolf, Director Emeritus of the Center on Society and Health at Virginia Commonwealth University in Richmond, who is unaffiliated with study. The findings are star sobering. Oil tumbles below $100 a barrel. That's good news for gas prices. I'm not sure why there's a sell down as international demand usually spikes during a run-up to war, but this should affect gasoline because they anticipated that, that Vladimir Putin can't really continue the war in the form that he wants and that somehow his oil is going to get onto the market. Robert Davin, hello from Southern California to all progressives. Whoop, whoop. Welcome aboard, brother. Welcome aboard. Welcome to the show. Who else have we got here? AVQ Tom C, 3.14. Yep, and Russian intelligence basically promotes Tucker Carlson whose talking points are on par with what the Russian's agent would say on air. Maywood says, Robert David, what part of our SoCal are you? And he says, L.A. County, also northernmost part of 
I'll AV. What is AV? Don't remember what AV is. I'm not from California, though. I have relatives in California. Melanie Keelan says, you guys have changed the time. No, we are always at 4 Eastern, 3 Central. So uh, so that that's where we're at. And I want to thank several of you for uh, supporting the show. I um, saw some a couple of stuff in the PayPal. Uh, uh, Alice, Alistair, thank you. Get something in them. You'll get some 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 more kudos when we go and process everything. I was just scanning it today and say, oh my peeps, my peeps. Michael Rundin says daylight saving times are annoying. Exactly. Robert David says Antelope Valley in the okay. Never heard of Antelope Valley. You sprang forward. We didn't. Who is we didn't? Where are you, Melanie again? Uh, I think there's only one part of the. Where are you? I can't remember what state it is that don't change with daylight savings time, but I'm glad that Rudnin kind of picked up on that right away. Anyhow, let's go ahead and get started. Before we get into some other subjects, I want you guys to meet the one and only Yvette Avery. Check her out, and then we'll take it on the other side. Welcome to another edition of Politics Done Right. Today we have the honor of speaking to Yvette Avery. She's a working mother providing for her family. She has had been, she's been a Teamster Union steward at UPS as well as an activist for workers' rights throughout the country. She has been working on the most extensive and ex ex effective organizing campaign with the IAM to get union representation for Delta ramp and cargo workers. Delta recently, well, I tell you what. I, I'm going to just say, welcome to Politics on Right Event. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I am doing fine. I want, to, I want you to give me a three or four line synopsis of who Yvette is before we get into questions that I want to ask about where is the labor movement right now. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what really got you into this stuff? I, I think it was just in my blood um, because I have family who've been fighting for workers for a long time who are maybe even in the political arena. So we've always been those type of people and I was just kind of raised that way in order to always help somebody else. So my thing is anytime I see any type of injustices, especially with working people, I, I jump in. So that's something I was doing even before I became a, a union steward. I pounded the streets anytime somebody had something going on with workers' rights or any activism in that, in that area, I was there. Now, uh Again, tell us a little bit about, you had your own little incident with Delta. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about that, and then we'll go in further. Yeah, so I worked for Delta Airlines for seven years. Uh, started out as a ramp worker, went upstairs as a gate agent. And as I was upstairs as a gate agent, started wearing the union pin. It was a lot more active in the, the unionizing process for the below-wing and cargo workers. Well, that led to them all of a sudden saying that my job at UPS was a conflict of interest. Mind you, I had already been at UPS five years prior to start working at Delta. On my resume, they were fully aware that I worked at that company, but now it became an issue that I was out in front as a union activist trying to get the workers um, organized. So at that point, they gave me an ultimatum saying that my job was a conflict and that I needed to choose which job that I wanted to keep. So, of course, I said, I don't have the issue. Delta has the issue. I want to keep both of my jobs. I work them both. I need them both to sustain my family. So, therefore, I want to keep both of my jobs. But ultimately, they terminated me. And the fight continued, well, started at that point, of course, for me, 
with the uh, hashtag Stand With Yvette movement that I started online. I made videos, did interviews, and you graciously gave me a spot on your show to you know, get the, the information out as to how Delta treated workers and those who are fighting for workers' rights and how they were union busting at, at its fine. Now, is your case now closed or you continue to fight that particular case? Well, it's definitely closed now. It was a two-year fight, but the way the state of Georgia works is a right to work at Will State. So in reality, workers really don't have what they need to fight corporations unless you have something, you know, they can get it for discrimination maybe. But in reality, there's no real rights for workers in the state of Georgia unless you have a union contract. So thankfully at the other job, I was fully aware of the rights as a unionist, uh, being a union steward with uh, the Teamsters of how that works. So I'm very thankful for having a union contract, know the benefits of it, and wanted my coworkers at Delta to have the same thing. Now, I want to ask you something about, because I, I learned this from you. Uh, when you are in a right-to-work state, which means a right-to-screw-worker state, that's what that really means, um, if you have a union contract in those states, it is enforceable, correct? Oh, yes. Yes, it's enforceable. Contracts are enforceable. Of course, no contract is above the law. So if you have something legally binding that uh, the contract can't override that. But as far as, you know, the way the employer has to go through a process to terminate employees, that stuff is included and it's upheld, of course. So let me ask you a question then. What, what is the difference between unions in a right-to-work state and unions in other states? Okay, so the major difference is if you are in a state that's a right-to-work state, you do not have to join the union. Even if you're in a company that's unionized, you don't have to join, you don't have to pay dues, but the union still has to represent you. Now, that's something that a lot of us do not like, because if you're getting the benefits of what the union is negotiating, if you're getting the benefits of them fighting for you, you should pay your fair share and dues right. to help keep that going. But if you're in a state, of course, that's a unionized state that's, you know, not an at-will right-to-work state, then they don't have to represent non-paying them. So, and I think even people who don't have to pay regular dues have to pay a certain fee anyway. Um, so it's, that's the major difference. You still have to okay, represent I mean, those that, not. That's a funding difference, right? That actually tells you whether the union can survive or not. It and does, I guess and I always give the, the analogy. I say, hey, I'm going to move into your house. I know you, the bills are going to go up, but I'm not going to pay you anything. I'm just going to live there. That's the same thing with me. I'm going to come to this job. I'm going to get those free benefits, medical, dental, and vision. I'm going to get that pension that you get, but I'm not going to help, you know what I'm saying, pay into anything to keep it going. So that's the analogy I use. I said, hey, I'm coming. I'm moving in. Get ready. I'm moving in. It so is they ridiculous. don't like it like that, and they see the perspective. Yeah. Now, interestingly, um, we've been sort of happy during this uh, with the results of what has started to occur uh, uh, after the pandemic. Based on your experience in the union movement, do you feel like this is real? Has, have workers really now gained power and now lasting power, or is this just a phase? I truly believe that the, during the COVID incident, and when it mainly came out, everybody realized the true importance of work. Now, the companies, of course, knew it already, but people kind of didn't realize their value and realize how much they really meant to the corporations. And the only way that the corporations make the profits that they do is because the workers come in and, you know, make those profits for them. 
So uh, the the workers begin to wake up and say, hey, oh, now all of a sudden we're essential. Okay, now all of a sudden you can give us these bonuses. Oh, you can throw this at us. But you could simply just raise our benefits, you, you know, well, give us benefits and great ones. You couldn't simply increase our minimum wages. You couldn't, you know, our hourly wages, things that they could have done before. And then all of a sudden they can do it now. People are realizing, okay, something's not adding up. So that's something that means you could do more for us before, but you just chose not to. So I think a lot of people in a lot of areas have woke up and we see that uh, one of the main things is striketober when we had a lot of strikes going on and strikes have continually been going on. Actually, tell us um, a little bit about the strikes that you know about that are active around the country. Well, a couple of weeks ago, I actually went down to uh, Alabama to the... Um, UMWA workers. So those are the mine workers in Alabama. And they've been on strike for now 11 months and counting, which is now, I think, holding the record for the longest, uh, maybe, uh, strike there. And what they want is, you know, just basic things. I mean, mine workers have had it hard in this country, and they definitely should be rewarded for the type of work they do because it's very, very uh, dangerous. And they should get what they're supposed to get if you're making those type of profits. Like, I mean, the companies are not missing any money they're making more and more and more profitable a lot of them were more profitable during the pandemic than before mm -hmm. and so they definitely should get exactly what they deserve so we were out there with those brothers and sisters and talking to them and seeing the things that they needed i mean everyday essentials and basics that they did not have because they've been on strike for so long so i made sure i posted how to donate and give you know to their strike fund as well as they have a a whole pantry set up so they can come get food and clothing items and whatever they need for the children, things like that. So uh, that's one uh, strike. And that same day, we also supported the Amazon workers in Bessemer, Alabama, who are now getting a chance to do another election because the first election they had last year, of course, Amazon had so much union busting going on. It was ridiculous. And they caused them not to win that time. So the NLRB, which is the Labor Board, National Relations Labor Board, decided that they should get another opportunity to vote. So we were at a rally for them and heard some great stories from different people who work there and things that they go through and why they deserve to have a union. And they, they definitely should get it. Now, uh, Yvette, you make a hell of a speaker for the movement. What always concerns me is that we don't get enough Yvette's out there in front of a camera letting people see what's going on. And, and you know, there's, there's power in having people see other people do powerful things, right? In other words, right. the, 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 the goal of the corporation, include, including what you saw Amazon do in Alabama, is to try to let people know, don't do that, it's scary, because suppose it doesn't work out, you're in trouble. When you have an event out there that says, look, not only am I working, but I have actually gone through the whole system. Hell, they've, they've done turn, I mean, fired me. I'm still here. You know, right. be the spokesperson to tell people you've got power. Um, what, and maybe this is a job for you, um, Yvette. Maybe you need to uh, start a training business for the union worker. I, I'm not kidding, actually, at all. Uh, why can't we see more of what's going on because it's all over the country. Why can't we see more of it on TV? On Even if it's not on TV, more than just in that, you know how Facebook has a way of keeping 
people in locked up in their cells, getting outside of those cells so other people see what's going on. How do we get there? We have to keep pushing. I mean, it's going to take us all in different avenues to make our voice be heard because, as you say, most of the mainstream will not cover it. I could get no one to cover my story when it comes to mainstream media. I reached out personally to the Fox News, to the CNN, nothing. Anytime it, it comes, especially in Atlanta, it, dealing with Delta Airlines, come in with them, they own the city. So nobody wanted to touch them. I couldn't even get an attorney here. That's how crazy it was. I had to go out of state to get an attorney just to go after them. So my whole thing is people have to realize it's going to take you stepping up and doing it on your own and then grouping together with like-minded people. And we can get it done. It, it, it can be done. Well, you know, uh, you're ahead of a spokesperson. What else, what else going on around... Um... I, before, I wanted to do a little digression here. You were in a uh-huh. truck. What you doing in a truck? <laughs> so, of course, since I was terminated from Delta, I already worked for UPS and decided, hey, what was best for me at the time was to go full-time. So now I'm a full-time package car driver uh, with UPS. So I just crossed over from part-time to full-time and I'm here delivering everybody's packages throughout the pandemic. I started during the pandemic doing the deliveries and it's, you know, it's been an experience. I'm honored that you actually kind of parked the truck to have a little talk with politics done right. I'm like excited about, you know, you're, you're, <laughs> you're coming. I'm like super honored. Hey, she is in that truck. Hey, what else is happening? Tell me what else. First of all, I, I just mentioned about the media not doing what I think the media needs to do. Uh, and I also mentioned that you are very savvy in the way you know how to use media to get the message out. What do you want us to do? Not only, when I say us, I don't mean the independent media. I mean the consumers of independent media who is who actually needs to be a part. What what is your message to them? Well, definitely to hold every uh, corporation accountable for whatever they do to their workers. Pay attention to what's going on and support workers in all their endeavors. No matter it's from fast food, you know. They're considered essential, too. They didn't realize how essential they were until, you know, we had our pandemic. So whoever has a fight who's fighting for wages, who's fighting for benefits, who's fighting for, you know, health care, whatever, in these workplaces, please support those workers. Go out whenever you can. If you can't be there in person, you know, do something online, you know, promote whatever they're doing. Try to get the word out and help in any way you can, because I know my time is limited a lot more now than it used to be. So that's why it was very important for me to take this time out to do your show because it's invaluable. This is the type of thing that we need to do. Make a few minutes to do anything we can to further uh, the cause. Well, you know, I, I think that is so important. And like I said, you know, you do it and you do it well. Um, you know what my last question always is? What should I have asked you that I didn't? <laughs> um. What all did I find out now as a driver that I happen not to have known before? <laughs> Let me hear it. Well, I have a lot of safety concerns when it comes to driving. And of course, I started a, a, a online petition about that. And I'm going to be fighting for that to get more safety precautions and things put in place for drivers out here. Because it's a lot of things we never think about until we actually do the job. So that's something we definitely uh, need to take care of. And you'll be seeing a lot in the future about. Can you tease us with a few of the things that we never thought about? Well, you never think about, as we are out here delivering, we 
do not know what situations we are walking up on. We could be walking up on a domestic situation. We've had people kidnapped. We've had people shot. We've had people, you know, things happen to, you know, drivers out here on the road that you just don't think about. You just say, hey, my package is coming. But you never know where we are, where we're going, and the things that we deal with. So those are just a couple of things. We, we walk up on things that you wouldn't imagine. And, you know, we have to deal with them on a daily basis and deal with the management, you know, coming at us crazy because they think we should be doing this or that. But it's a lot to deal with out here. Amazing. Well, Yvette, it has all, it's always my pleasure to speak to you. Like I tell you all the time, and I mean this from the depth of my heart, you're one of my heroes because you are on the ground actually getting things done. And you know what I believe? I believe the people who are getting things done are the ones who are worthy. So um, thank you so kindly once again for appearing on Politics Done Right. Yvette Avery, our national union specialist. That's what I'm going to call her. Thank you so kindly for having been on Politics Done Right. Thank you so much for having me again. Okay, folks, I hope you enjoyed Yvette. I, I, I just think she is a hell of an organizer, a hell of an activist, and somebody, like I said there, getting stuff done. Okay, let me back up now and start going back to, oh, God, you guys wrote a lot of stuff. All right, let me see. Great above all spirit, take pity on us. Help us say no, no to war in Ukraine. Thank you very much, E2247. Maywood says, that's a reply. Oppose the current war preparation, says E2247. Carl Cox says, the GOP and its backers are Trump supporters and want Putin to be Trump's puppet master. They love fascists from... Well, I have a piece on that that you guys are going to like. Eric says... Anyone who believes in democracy, no, I said that. Anyone who believes in democracy and free enterprise understands that the government should nationalize primary industries. Utilities, energy, and healthcare are too crucial to life to leave in the hands of selfish profiteers. You said this, so question what is to be done with businesses in these sectors? And by nationalize, you mean give it to the government. Uh, there is no control. Look at what to do with it. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay, let me. They close trade and other countries and banks, etc. And though it is a dictator terrorist, they do it. The American people say, okay, what if this happens like in Canada to the truckers? What then is the government? Okay, the truckers in Canada were a joke, okay? There were a very small quantity of truckers who didn't want to get the vaccination, who didn't want the, to be inoculated against a disease they could spread from province to province in Canada. Those truckers, I'll be as kind as I can, but those truckers were selfish you-know-whats, okay? That's a fact. And they disrupted the lives of many. Like I said, the vast majority of Canadians and the vast majority of Canadian truckers are vaccinated and they wanted to be vaccinated. These, these small amount of yahoos, and that's what I must call them, they, are, they want to be wrong, strong, and in a very tiny minority. So good. The truth of the matter is they need what... I, I love what Canada said. Okay, you, have, you can stop now or we will throw your butts in jail and take away your license to be a trucker forever. I think that is wonderful. Okay, if you, think, if you are so strongly in the belief, in your belief, then you shouldn't mind suffering the consequences for that. So perfect. And now we're, when it comes to what I said, absolutely. When it comes to humanity, I put humanity over private profit every single time. 
every single time. And the fact that the statement that you make about government is going to misuse that power, government is we the people. The people who misuse the power are those corporations who are not governed by us, but by a by a an executive as well as shareholders who are only looking out for their interests. But you have been brainwashed into believing that somehow some private entity can care more about you than you care about yourself. That's a tall order, but they somehow did it with a lot of people. Robert Davin says, ha ha, the AV is where, okay, I saw that the shuttle used to land. Okay, Michael Rudnan says, whoa, Eric Hayes, I agreed with that statement. So you agreed with me, Rudnan, that's what you're really saying. Maywood says, Egberto the Antelope. Yeah, uh, thank you for letting me know that. Carl Cox says, The West, including the U.S., need to help Ukraine and military and humanity, humanitarian aid, but not to get involved in the fighting. I think we all agree. Uh, Robert Davenport says, Workers are essential. The public just started to recognize it again. Thank you, Davenport. You're absolutely right. Bruce says, My daughter Rachel is on strike in Minneapolis. <laughs> Love Rachel. Rachel is my hero. She is, she's standing up for the cause. Robert Davin says, workers' rights and better legislation. So it does uh, not fade away when people forget the essential nature of the dignity of work. Thank you, Robert. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Carl Cox says, right to work states are anti-union states. You can have unions. Yvette explained it very well. She said what it means is that you can have a whole lot of people who take advantage of unions in right to work states. In other words, they don't pay the union dues but they get the benefits of whatever the unions negotiate. Eric says, nurses, police, and the truckers, etc., were essential two years ago. Then mandates came and firing those that were not vaccinated, and they are no longer essential. No, they're essential, but they're essential. They're so essential that we know since they come in contact with people, we don't want them running the risk of infecting more people than, they, that, than otherwise would occur naturally. So that's it. If you want to be a primary worker, you need to be vaccinated. You need to do what is right. And they're not doing what is right, fire them. Yes, I am for that. All right, continuing. Uh, can someone do me a favor and repeat my comment over to Eric Hayes? He's not going to see it otherwise. I think I did. Uh, let's see. Gina Beekman. Thanks, Yvette and Egberto, for speaking up for unions. Always, always. Let me tell you something about unions. Well, I'll tell you that because Eric said something that needs to be addressed. Uh, they are the answer to corporate greed. Go unions. Perfecto. You are absolutely right, Gina. Robert Davin says, Union made in the USA is how you should spend your hard-earned dollars in America. I agree. Uh, AVQ says, power to the union. Eric Hayes says, fight for benefits and wages. Yes, but don't forget the negative results on the co uh, that caused by inflation and gas. Remember that in the midterms. Let me stop you there. That if you believe that statement that we should mitigate raising people's wages who need to have their wages waged because the penalty is by corporations who then cause inflation. And I did a whole piece on that where, uh, where, where the economists uh, that used to work for, for Obama told the truth accidentally. They give you the, they give you the hike. It, when they have to give you the wage hike, and then they mitigate it by increasing inflation. Larry Summers, Larry Summers spread, spell, uh, spilled the beans on how evil corporations are. They, they, they want you to believe that increasing wages, they don't want to increase wages because it'll cause inflation. No, they don't want to increase wages because it eats into an unearned profit of the shareholder. 
Let's get this clear. If you have an economic system where paying a living wage makes it unsustainably make make it unsustainable by having runaway inflation, then you don't have a valid economic system. And that's what we have here. We have an economic system when whenever you get a raise, they throw inflation on you and there's no mitigating factors for things that are essential. And that is one of the reasons that I state categorically. For things that are essential, remove it out of the private sector so that they can't play games with it. And, and, and an essential thing, hey, free enterprise, let it, let it rain. Okay, continuing, we have uh, Yvette Avery says, I truly never thought about it, uh, about it either until a few incidents happened and then had my own dangerous experience. That's Yvette talking about the experience she had as a driver. Uh, continuing, Michael Rodin says, Egberto, yes, I agreed with the start of Eric Hayes' statements, which I didn't recognize that he was paraphrasing me. Egberto, yes, he was. All right, move to a union state, maybe, if that is what you want. We, look, uh, workers work everywhere. And any worker who says they don't want a union is an indoctrinated, brainwashed worker. You know who knows that they need a union? Businesses do. And you know what their unions call? Better be, not, uh, the the, the uh, Chamber of Commerce, that's their business. And all those other organizations that get together, the IEEE, that's their, biz, that's their union. All businesses realize that they need a union. And you want to tell me that the workers shouldn't have a union to negotiate the deals? They have unions to go to Congress and get better deals. And you don't want the measly human person to have a union? Come on now, grow up. Carl Cox, most churches in America aren't concerned about the little guy, only interested in money. They believe that God loves the wealthy, tolerates the vanishing middle class, and hates the poor. You name me an evangelical church or whatever, and in, I, I swear to God, that's what it seems like. That's what it seems like, so I agree. I, uh, Michael Renner said, Egberto, no, you didn't repeat the one. An essential worker is a category of jobs who keep the economy and the society running heroes. Who, uh, who we as a society typically treat as sacrificial workers, underpay, run ragged through overwork, and don't give free health care to. Everybody should have... It's not free health care, Michael. I don't like when we call it free health care. It's societal health care we all pay for with our, with, with our taxes and with just being Americans and being a part of this entire economy. Gina Blackman says, right, education and health care should be, shouldn't be privatized. Absolutamente no. Should a union use a lobbyist? You bet your life they should because you know what? The unions of the rich and wealthy, they use lobbyists. Lobbyists are just the entity that makes contact to the politician. It's that simple. All right, Franklin D. Rodney says, Franklin D. Roosevelt, during his statement on the National Industry Recovery Act, said, no business which depends on the existence on paying less than living wages to its worker has any right to continue in this country. By business, I mean the whole commerce as well as the whole of the industry. By workers, I mean all workers, the white-collar class as well as the men in overalls. And by living wages, I mean more than a bare subsistence level. I mean the wages of decent living. Robert Devin says their union is the Republican Party. No, that is the, the, no, no. Their unions are like the Chamber of Commerce, etc. The Republican Party is their henchmen, right? You know that the, 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 the Republican Party is their enforcer. 
You know that you know that when you know when you have the crooks. What do you call those? The con, not the convent, the uh, the the mafia, right? The mafia have those guys that go and beat up people when they don't pay or do things. That's who the Republican Party is to the uh, to the wealthy. All right, I have another video that I want you to see, um, and it goes. Let, let, let me lay it up this way. You know, right now, there the ruble is at a very low spot. We also know that Russia can't get credit. Russia is in trouble because its economic system is falling apart because of all the sanctions. And they have a whole lot of bonds outstanding. And they have a whole lot of bonds that folks would like, uh, you know, now that it's worth nothing to trade. Well, you would think that a patriotic American company would say, you know what? We are going to just, we're not going to mess with these or try to make a market out of these Russian bonds. After all, if we make a market out of Russian bonds, we actually open the door for more Russian bonds to be sold, even new bonds to be sold, which would help the war issue or the war effort on the side of Russia. You would think that our corporations, who our military defends overseas, our corporations who depend on us, right? Would say, nah, we're not crossing that bridge. We're not going to do it. Well, of course, capitalism has no soul. It has nothing. It just thinks about what can I do to take my capital and make more money. In that light, I want you to listen to this and then we'll get it on the other side. But as many businesses are pulling out of Russia, we've got exclusive new reporting tonight on how one of America's biggest investment banks is profiting on the war in Ukraine, Goldman Sachs. They say they are winding down operations in Russia, which is partially true, because at the very same time, they're actively trading Russian debt to U.S. clients, mostly hedge funds, and they're using a legal loophole to do it. A Goldman Sachs uh, spokesperson tells us this. We have a robust system and control throughout our organization to ensure we are not trading with sanctioned counterparties, which is true. NBC's senior national politics reporter, Jonathan Allen, is my partner on this story. What is this loophole? How is this happening? So what happened is when the Biden administration put in sanctions on Russian debt, basically on the major financial institutions of uh, Russia, they left open a window and uh, Goldman Sachs has driven a truck through it. And basically what that window is, is that... Uh, U.S. institutions are banned from uh, trading Russian debt with those Russian banks that have been sanctioned, but not banned from what's called secondary trade. So if that debt was already issued to somebody else and they want to sell it to a U.S. buyer, a U.S. Uh, debt holder of Russia to a U.S. buyer, uh, Goldman Sachs is acting as a brokerage. And uh, the government, the Biden administration, has left that loophole open with the basic idea uh, that companies here in this country, institutions in this country that hold Russian debt ought to be able to get rid of it. But at the same time, there are a lot of buyers for what is now seen as cheap debt. And Goldman Sachs has been advertising that to its clients and basically saying, hey, come on board while this debt is cheap. It's going to eventually go up later and you'll make a killing. Okay. And that's what we need to explain. The idea, hey, let people still trade this so they can close out their positions so there's not chaos in the market. That's that's really getting abused because what they are doing is trading hundreds of millions of bonds. 
Goldman Sachs is going out and pitching trade ideas, market dislocations to distressed hedge funds who are looking to buy something cheap in a crisis. And that's what they do. But this isn't a regular crisis. It's not a company going bankrupt. It is a war. And let's remind you, when you buy Russian government bonds, you are now lending to the Russian government. And when you buy Russian corporate bonds, you are helping that company succeed. So right now, Goldman Sachs is making markets and making money, which is certainly not in line with the spirit of the headline. We are winding down and leaving Russia. And John, the reason I wanted to do this, my takeaway, it doesn't matter how much Wall Street tries to rebrand itself with new slogans. It doesn't change. So if you are a vulture, be a vulture. But do not come flapping your wings to my window and call yourself a dove of peace because all that Goldman is doing flies in the face of what the, all of the United States and our Western allies are trying to do. Exactly. She hits the nail on the head. These guys, just like the January 6th insurrectionists are traitors, local traitors, domestic trade, well, tra you know, traitors has to be domestic, right? Traitors. These guys are traitors as well. They don't give a damn about the Ukrainians. They don't give a damn about Russians. They don't give a damn about Americans. They just give a damn about capital, that mighty dollar. And that is what they intend to do. They, they, and it's what the capitalists do all the time. It, it, it is the, we don't care about, the, about healthcare. We just care about making money from people who get sick. We don't care about whether water is clean or not. We just know that, hey, we dirty up the water today because it makes the product cheaper. Dirty up the water. Later on, we'll charge you to clean that water that we dirtied up later. And by the way, if you pass a law that says we have to clean up the mess that we make, ah, we just use, again, the laws created to go bankrupt and leave you holding the bag. Remember Love Canal? I, we can talk over and over and over again about the system until we clean this system up and you got the power to do it. We will continue to see these things over and over again. They, they, you know, you guys look at these guys in a suit and a tie. You know, I don't have a tie on. I, I'm a little bit more modern than that, you know, but a suit and a tie and everything is great. You think these guys have some sort of respectability. These guys are worse than the petty thief that goes into a 7-Eleven and grabs a pack of cigarettes and run, or grab a Coke and run. They are worse than them because they're evil. The things that they do affect millions. And somehow we, in our society, somehow want to respect these, what did she call them? Vultures. It is time for us to see through the, unhin the, the, the uncolored glasses of what these guys actually represent. Anyhow, anyhow, let's see what else you guys are saying here. Para ver, para ver, para ver, para ver, para ver, que están diciendo. I'm sticking with the union. Union strong, says E2247. Robert Davenport's Davin says, you will make a killing by supporting state-sponsored killing, aka murder. Carl Cox says, mega banks and Wall Street firms are legalized. MOB, mob type banks and investment firms. Uh, let's see, Maywood also says, that was to Eric Hayes. Uh, let's see, Eric Hayes says, I do not invest in a 401k. I am the business owner. Not all successful business owners are soulless parasites. No, they are not. Actually, what I talk about is the corporate structure being that way mostly. Yes, you may have some little standalone private companies that do that, but they are not in between. They're just trying to survive. They're just trying to survive. 
All right, I have another one for you. Do I have the time? Yes, I have the time. I have the time. You know, we have the war, and you know, there, there's this myth that goes around that if Donald Trump were in power, Putin would not have invaded Ukraine. And somehow, Donald Trump was stronger than, than, than Biden with Putin, etc. Well, here's what this Republican has to say. This Republican finally, and I hope many others listen to him, those Trump sycophants got it and hit the, hit the nail on the head. I want you to listen to this, then we'll take it on the other side. Congressman, what off, off rents do you, do you envision that actually wouldn't have us going toe-to-toe with Putin? Are there any? Yeah, look, I mean, if this continues to escalate again, you know, I think it's clear that if Russia decides to attack these aid convoys, that would be pretty much an attack on NATO, an Article 5 point. Um, right. So I think we have to be very, very clear that this may lead to escalation. But to all the former kind of cold warriors that, you know, are academics, Russia is not the old Soviet Union. I mean, in the Soviet Union, we could not tangle with them because they were our match and we would destroy each other. I get it. Russia has nuclear weapons. I don't think Russia intends to destroy the world either. So I think keep that in mind. But again, up to the point, it's continuing to provide aid, medium range missile defense. I think anti-shipping weapons, uh, you know, training, et cetera, to give Ukraine what they need to defend their territory is going to be important. Secondarily, let me just say quickly. There are Russian interests everywhere. Russia is in Syria. Russia is obviously all over South America. They're in Libya. Why are we not expanding a proxy war against some of their interests in other areas if they intend to, you know, attack our allies as well? Talking about Donald Trump, turning over a Middle Eastern country to Russia for the first time since 1973. That would be us being disruptive, wouldn't it? That's right. And that's how you have to think. Like, we're in a moment where there's no risk-free choices anymore. We have to think outside the box. You don't want to directly confront Russia. There is a way to do that. And, and I think there's plenty of options. I think even Alexander Venman has talked a lot about UAVs, giving unmanned aerial vehicles, you know, as the Turkish ones have done so well. But yes, look, Donald Trump, I mean, I was in the Oval Office and told him, Mr. President, if you pull these troops out of Syria, you're going to lose a seat at the negotiating table. He, ba- he not, not basically, he told me, he goes, who cares? Who cares about Syria? I mean, I was blown away. And that's what people that go around and say none of this would happen under Donald Trump. It is a very convenient forgetting of how awful he was at foreign policy and his complete aggra- love towards, uh, you know, authoritarian people. Look. You know, if you think President Biden is being weak on this, say it, right? I think there are certain things he's certainly being weak on. But let's not try to whitewash who Donald Trump was. Donald Trump empowered Vladimir Putin. Let's be very clear about that. That statement is the statement of statements, right? Donald Trump, one, empowered Vladimir Putin. Numero dos, Donald Trump denied for some time Ukraine from the weapons that they've been asking for and Donald Trump had a chummy relationship with Putin who made Putin believe he was much more than he was well to Donald Trump of course he was because Donald Trump is just a little man so that is what we would expect out of Donald Trump I've got one last one and this one is one that I that that I find a bit let's see do I have enough time for that one 
Ah, uh, I don't know. I probably don't have enough time for that one. So let me go ahead. Oh, I have an ask for my ask. Oh my God, here we go. Where are my peeps to remind me? They are not here today. Anyhow, here we go. Before I go, the cup, guess who got our cup? Alistair got our cup. That is a good cup. Designed by Bridge MCP. Those of you who are watching, please folks, consider getting the cup. But anyhow, check this out. Alberto Willis, as host of Politics Done Right, a progressive radio media show on Pacifica Networks, KPFT 90.1 FM Houston, that engages all ideologies. I found that our political angst isn't mostly ideological. There is a well-designed effort by many in power to control us. If we are at each other's throats, we are less likely to demand our economic and local wishes. In that light, I wrote three books. I wrote the first one titled, As I See It, Class Warfare, The Only Resort to Right-Wing Doom, to describe the entire economy in a manner we can all understand. It highlights why it was designed to pill for most as it empowers a few, the chosen. The second book, titled, It's Worth It, How to Talk to Your Right-Wing Relatives, Friends, and Neighbors, Take It to the Next Level. After understanding how the system pilfers, it is incumbent that we can speak to our peers to empower a change. The third book, How to Make America Utopia, Take Away the Economy from Those Who Rigged It, gives us a place to land. After learning about our economy that is dysfunctional for most and learning how to engage the other side, we point out what would make an economy that works for all. Each book stands on its own, but together they provide the full picture. Please consider getting one or more. You will undoubtedly learn, be entertained, and help us continue the mission with our blogs, articles, videos, and books. Absolutely so. So please go ahead and go to politicsdoneright.com slash books, politicsdoneright.com slash books to get uh, any one of the books or all three of the books. You can get all three of the books. There you go. That's politicsdoneright.com slash books. Alternative folks, if you are on YouTube, please click that join button. Become a part of our PDR Posse on YouTube by clicking that join button. If you choose not the join button, you can also go to politicsandright.com slash YouTube, politicsandright.com slash YouTube. Please also uh, know that we need some we need patrons as well. Politicsandright.com slash patron. Patron is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. P-A-T-R-E-O-N. We need we need people on on Patreon, we need people on YouTube. But most of all, we need people to, to provide uh, the support via PayPal, politicsandright.com slash PayPal. You know how to spell PayPal, P-A-Y-P-A-L, politicsandright.com slash PayPal. You can either do a one-time contribution or a monthly like some have started to do. That is really the most efficient way to support us. But if you want to find some other way, whether it be Cash App, Zelly, or whatever, go to politicsandright.com. Oops, there we go. I have a little mistake there. We go to politicsandright.com slash support. Politicsandright.com slash support. That's like the catch-all, and it tells you all the different forms in which you can support the program. Okay, let me use the last four minutes to kind of go through the list here. Exactly right, Egberto Mega Corporations are greedy, corrupt, soulless garbage. Eric says, that's a reply. Uh, let's see, Eric Hayes, to the, I'm a business owner, real world. You are repeating talking points you have heard. Do you really want a frank conversation when you have no demonstrated expertise? Um, you know, a, a, a lot of folks just regurgitate what Fox News says without any provocation. All right, Daniel Lado says, y'all on here understand we are not at war with Russia. Stop with the demonization of Russia and any one of your fellow countrymen 
who point out the fact that we are not at war with Russia. We are not at war with Russia, but we can be sympathetic with Ukraine, who is getting who's getting decimated by the bombs from Russia, who buildings are being tumbled, etc. That's a war. If you are a human being with feelings, when you see a country has the gall to do that, just, I mean, and by the way, I am not excusing America because America came to Panama and killed 10,000 people of which we, we gave, gave our notions about as well. But what you were seeing in Ukraine, that sustained destruction of people and building and inf buildings and infrastructure. If you if that doesn't play a number on your soul, something is wrong. We're not at war at Russia, but war but Russia, Putin is showing the evil that they are with the constant bombardment on this. Okay. E2247 said, amid the focus on Ukraine, let's not forget Fukushima on the 11th anniversary of the accident. A stark reminder to Russia why it should not endanger nuclear plant infrastructure or personnel. I agree. Okay, we also have, we should not demonize murderers. You know what? I, I imagine I could have just used those four words to answer Brother Lido, uh, Robert Divenport. That says, because you hit it on a nail. That's the only thing we need to say. We should not demonize murderers. We should demonize murderers. E2247 says, operational and legal risks of a no-fly zone over Ukrainian skies. And he puts a link in there, folks. Read it. Uh, para ver que más tengo. Eric, uh, to Eric Hayes from Robert. He says, good choice. Leave with your tail between your legs when facts are offered. Oh, what? Did he leave or something? I didn't see Hayes leave. I think Hayes is still here. Daniel Ledo says, the leftists are going to virtue signal us into World War III. No, 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 no. It's not about virtue signal. If, if, if people are... Look, you know what's amazing? Uh, many on the right who support... Who wants to deny a woman the right to choose would go under the pretext that a blastoma or a fetus is a human being and they will kill and demonize for that. And here we openly see a country, this Putin, send thousand pound bombs into buildings and cruise missiles into buildings and kill people. And you want us to just chill? Come on now. Now I'm not saying to start World War III, but if Russia gets away and they continue to just kill and murder and maim, uh, maybe the only way that a government realizes that you cannot maim and kill because eventually that maiming and killing will get to you. There's this phrase that people use. When I saw somebody do it to you, I turned. I didn't say anything. When I saw them do it to my friend, I didn't say anything. I didn't notice until they did it to me. Until they did it to me. So no, Daniel, in that one I've got to disagree. I don't want World War III, and I don't want us to go into war. But if Putin start, it just kills on the, indiscriminately, there may be a point where somehow uh, we have to find a way to stop it. It's just human nature, right? Does anyone think Putin will stop after he consumes Ukraine? He has said he wants to reconstitute the old Soviet sphere of control. That's true. That's true. But again, 
we the, the good thing about it is we have Biden in power and not Trump or some sycophant, right? Uh, because it, I, Biden will be resolved in the way he handles this issue. But anyhow, folks, please remember, go to politicsandright.com slash PayPal or politicsandright.com slash support. Support the program. We're coming to the end. So my name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics Done Right. And you guys know how I end this baby. I am what? Out! We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to, trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.